Chad, you're along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. He's the uh, founder and president of the Article 3 Project, article3project.org. It's Mike Davis. Mike, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Got to talk about what's happening with Fannie Willis. That's all sorted. We'll talk about that in a minute. We've got to talk about uh, Alina Haba and how great she is. We've got to talk about the, the lawfare that's happening. But I want to start, Mike, in New York, where Letitia James, as you and I both know, we call her Big Tish. I got that from you. Um, she ran for Attorney General of New York to get one guy, to get Donald Trump, and that's exactly what she did. But I, what, what I think most people watching and listening don't know is that the judge in this case decided Trump was guilty of something before even day one of the trial. Is that true? That is absolutely true. You have this Democrat, uh, New York Attorney General, Big Tish, Tish James, teaming up with this highly partisan Democrat judge in Manhattan, Arthur Ingeron, who donated to Democrats. His law clerk, who weirdly sits on the bench next to him, is a Democrat activist. And they worked out a deal before the trial even began, before any witnesses, before any other evidence came in that Trump somehow committed fraud, even though he paid back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full on time as agreed with interest. This judge is such a partisan clown that he couldn't even fake it. He couldn't even pretend like he was going to be fair through the trial after the witnesses and after the evidence and then rule against Trump. He did it before the trial even began. Yeah, but Mike, how is this due process? Is there some rule in New York that the judge is allowed to make a ruling before any evidence is heard? I don't get it. Yeah, the only way you can do that in a civil case is called summary judgments. And that means there are no disputes of material facts. And that's just crazy. But there are. There's a huge dispute in material fact, and that is the valuation of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Ingeron and Tish James, Big Tish, thinks Mar-a-Lago is only worth 18 to 25 million dollars. And I would say that this is 20 acres of prime real estate in the most exclusive part of the world in Palm Beach. I think it's the only property that touches both the intracoastal waterway and the Atlantic Ocean. A tennis court at Mar-a-Lago would cost $25 million or more. So it's just absurd that that's the valuation they've come to. And it's absurd that they don't think that that's in dispute for purposes of this fraud trial. Well, if you look up on Zillow or any sort of a, a, a dot .com that sells real estate, there are empty lots available on Palm Beach right now that are a quarter of the size, if not smaller, that are $20 million, and there's nothing built on them. So the idea that it's worth $25 million is stupid. I, I played the national anthem at the ballroom a couple of months ago, and that ballroom is worth way more than $25 million, just in chandeliers. So how is it that some attorney general in New York is able to evaluate or give an assessment on how much property is worth in Palm Beach. Did they bring an expert in from Palm Beach? And if that expert said it's worth $25 million, he or she isn't worth their weight in dirt. Yeah, I mean, it's they're relying on the valuation by the Palm Beach tax assessor. assessor. But that's just to protect the, the property owners, to protect the right. taxpayers down there that they value lower for purposes of of taxation, property taxes. It doesn't mean that's what it's actually worth. And it's it's just silly for Ingeron and Tish James to, to claim that Mar-a-Lago is worth 18 or $25 million. It's it's probably worth close to a billion dollars. Well, I don't disagree. I, you could not sell it uh, for anywhere near what they're talking about. But but let me let, let me take it to, to the next step, though, Mike. Let's let you and I right now assume that it's worth a dollar. And Trump goes to any bank USA and says, I'd like to borrow $100 million. And the bank gives him $100 million. It doesn't matter what the actual value is because in every Trump contract, and I've seen this, I think you probably have too, it says go and do your own valuation. 
And if the banks gave him the money, what does Tish James have to do with it? Yeah, and that's just it. It's not like Trump duped these sophisticated banks like Deutsche right. Bank. Deutsche Bank said that Trump's one of their best customers and they'd love to do business with him in the future. They're not duped. They all made money. How is there fraud when there's no victim? There's uh, it's that look if if that New York if they're reading this New York law to say that you can get someone on fraud when there's no there was no one who was defrauded, there's no victim. I don't see how that statute is constitutional under the U.S. Constitution. You have to have standing to bring lawsuits. You have to have injury in fact. And who is injured here with in this civil fraud lawsuit with? Big Tish and this goofball judge, Arthur Ngoran. Uh, Michael, what's the, by the way, it's Mike Davis, article3project.org. Go there, go follow him, MRDDMIA over on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, when it comes to this case specifically, what's the, the likely outcome going to be? We know that there was a gag order put on Trump, but there was no gag order put on, on Tish James. In fact, Letitia James, almost every day, posts something on social media explaining why Donald Trump is a no good fill in the blank. So is there some law in New York? that says that, that the prosecution can do whatever they want, but the defendant has to stay quiet? I mean, are they making it up as they go? What's the, what's the likely outcome? you got to have a, a complete rejuvenation of the legal system in New York if this is the way it is right now. It is a clear violation of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to place a gag order on a defendant going through proceedings, whether it's criminal proceedings or whether it's civil proceedings in this in this criminal-like civil fraud proceeding. If there's anyone on the planet who needs the ability to speak out about the judge, about the prosecutor, about the witnesses, about the process, it is a defendant going through the process. These gag orders on Trump are illegal. I think the New York appellate courts already slapped down Ingeron a couple times, once on the statute of limitations ruling and once on this gag order. And if Judge Ingeron uh, thinks that he's going to uh, he's going to punish Trump with a three hundred million dollar plus penalty, and then take away his business licenses in New York and his ability to to bring in income for the Trump organization. That's going to get appealed, and I think that this is too crazy even for this all Democrat New York or mostly Democrat New York judiciary. You're going. I think there are still some that maybe hopefully some reasonable judges on the New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, who will see this for what it is. This is a partisan witch hunt to go after Trump. It is lawfare. It's election interference. It's part of the Democrats' pattern with their two bogus impeachments, their two bogus indictments for non-crimes, their two illegal gag orders, their civil fraud lawsuit for non-fraud to bankrupt him, their, their... plan to take him off the ballot because that all backfired. The, 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 if, if they can do this to Donald Trump, a former president and a likely future president billionaire, just imagine what they can do to the rest of us. Now, I, I, you, listen, very, very well said. You're absolutely right. The New York Court of Appeals, for those who are watching and listening, is the highest court in New York. Still run by liberals, but I think, Mike, you're right. There are going to be some people that have common sense and say this isn't fair. Just like some in very liberal areas have said, you can't take him off the ballot. What are you talking about? But should they side with Engeron and with, with Letitia James, what is the recourse at the Supreme Court of the United States? Can you take a civil case to the Supreme Court? And what would the question be? Are these laws in New York constitutional? Yeah, I mean, I, if I were taking this case, I would absolutely go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court should take this case because I know they don't like to take Trump cases, but this is so much bigger than Donald Trump. If your political enemies can bankrupt you and destroy your business and take away 
$300 million away from you because they don't like your politics based upon a bogus New York state law on fraud where there are no victims. If that can happen and that can happen where there's not due process, we're done as a country, right? This is much bigger than Donald Trump. That means that any of these states can destroy their political enemies, ruin their lives, and there's nothing that can be done about that. That doesn't violate due process under the, the U.S. Constitution. That doesn't violate the Constitution's prohibition on these uh, outrageous penalties imposed by the state. The Supreme Court may have to take this if the New York Court of Appeals, the, the highest court in New York, doesn't do its job. Article3project.org, go and uh, go and support everything that Mike Davis does. Let's talk about Jack Smith. I think he makes a mistake by going to the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court should wisely say that Trump did have immunity. Is, th- is this a way of, for Jack Smith to slink away from this case knowing that he can't win? No, no. I think that Jack Smith was trying to seek the Supreme Court review, the cert before judgment, the Supreme Court review before the D.C. Circuit, because Jack Smith is full speed ahead and wants to They waited 30 months to bring these indictments against Trump. And then they timed these four criminal indictments back to back to back, along with the civil cases, back to back to back to interfere in the election this year, starting uh, in January and March and May and May and, uh, you know, in October or excuse me, in in August to keep President Trump in the courtroom instead of on the campaign trail. And what happens when you're dealing with presidential immunity is the, the proceedings are stayed until the presidential immunity issue is resolved. And that's why Jack Smith is trying to get the Supreme Court to rule quickly. The Supreme Court correctly, nine to nothing, said, no, we're going to go through the regular process here. You're going to have the the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals review this, and then we'll decide whether we want to take this. The bottom line is this. Members of Congress have criminal and civil immunity for their official acts through the speech or debate clause in the Constitution. Federal judges have civil and criminal immunity for their official acts under judicial immunity. Why the heck wouldn't the president of the United States also have both civil and criminal immunity for his official acts? And if they don't establish that at the D.C. Circuit, regardless of Trump, if they don't establish that presidents of the United States cannot be criminally charged for their official acts, the Supreme Court of the United States will have to take that case. Now, what Trump did on January 6th, that, that 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 will need to be resolved between what is official and what was personal, what was in, in his capacity as the president of the United States and what was in his personal capacity as a presidential candidate. But at a bare minimum, they need to establish presidents are immune from criminal prosecution. Otherwise, the Trump 47 Justice Department can indict and prosecute President Obama for capital murder for ordering the drone strike on two American citizens, extrajudicial murder of American citizens, including a 16-year-old. Do we really want to go down this path? Do we want to go after Biden for manslaughter or felony felony murder for not securing the border and allowing fentanyl to come across the border and kill Americans? Or his disastrous withdrawal, his reckless withdrawal in Afghanistan that killed 12 American service members? Do we want to go down this path? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And it's Mike Davis, Article3Project.org. One last thing on Jack Smith. There's There's been some reporting by right-leaning outlets that Jack Smith wasn't appointed correctly. Is any truth to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, under our Constitution, uh, you know, if you want to be uh, if you want to be an officer of the United States, you have to be Senate confirmed, right? And so Jack Smith is not Senate confirmed. So how, 
he's just appointed through regulations. It's not even through a statute, it's through DOJ right. regulations. So how does he have the power, uh, constitutional power to bring these charges? And that, uh, it, it, they, the people who raised this in an amicus brief make uh, very compelling arguments and this, uh, the courts will have to decide this issue. It is uh, Mike Davis. Mike, let's talk about our good friend, Fannie Willis. So uh, I, I had Newt Gingrich on this program, and he said that he had some source in Washington that said somebody either at the DOJ or the Biden administration called Fannie Willis on a Friday and said, man, we really screwed up this Weiss thing. You've got you've to announce these indictments on Monday night. And Fannie Willis does do that, although, according to Newt Gingrich, she said, I don't have enough to do this on Monday night. We're not ready. And I think that, that the grand jury didn't even vote yet when she announced that she was indicting Donald Trump. Fast forward to today, it turns out there's some sweetheart deal, allegedly, for her lover as part of this prosecution of Trump. Can you get us up to date, please? Because the whole, the whole Georgia thing just makes my face hurt. Yeah, so uh, cheers to Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene who uh, filed a criminal referral with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr. And Marjorie Taylor Greene asked the governor and the attorney general to open a criminal investigation into Fannie Willis and her alleged secret boyfriend, who she appointed as the special prosecutor on this Trump federal RICO case. Wow. This, this, uh, this, secret boyfriend or alleged secret boyfriend had zero felony criminal trial experience, zero. So he's unqualified. They bring him in. There's an illegal conflict of interest uh, because it's her alleged boyfriend. And making matters worse, he billed like over $600,000 to the state, the Fulton County, to Fulton County DA's office, to the state of Georgia uh, for his time. And then Fannie Willis Got, allegedly got kickbacks in the form of lavish trips to Napa and the Caribbean and other places around the country and around the world. This is clearly criminal conduct by Fannie Willis and her alleged secret boyfriend, if this is true. So again, cheers to MTG for sending this to Governor Kemp and Attorney General Chris Carr in Georgia. That She laid out the criminal statutes that give the AG and the governor, the power to open a criminal investigation, and she laid out the potential criminal violations. The ball is in Kemp and Carr's court. They need to open a criminal investigation immediately. I don't, I don't trust Brian Kemp. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, the whole idea that they didn't do their, their due diligence in 2020 tells me who he is, who Rathlinsberger, who Rathenberger was, whatever the guy's name is. Um, I'm not so sure Brian Kemp will do it, but let's say that they do the right thing, investigate it, and find that she really did do this. Does he have the power as the governor, or does you know the attorney general of the state have the power to remove her from this case? I don't know about that because the DAs on, in Georgia work for the judiciary. Okay. So, but if there's a if there's a complaint on this case, I don't know how she can stay on this case. If if the allegation is that she illegally hired her secret boyfriend on this case, who's not qualified, and then paid him six hundred thousand dollars, including by the way for meetings with the Biden White House about this criminal indictment before wow. Fannie Willis made the criminal indictment before she announced the criminal indictment. So there's clear evidence in this this dumb boyfriend's alleged boyfriend's billing records where he actually was dumb enough to put in there about his meetings with the Biden White House, several meetings Come on. With, with the Biden White House. He also <laughs> billed 
24 hours on a single day. I don't know how that's possible. You you don't sleep. You do the work. You know, you just uh, work 24 straight. It's Mike Davis. Go to MRDDMIA over on X. Follow him everywhere. Go to the article3project.org, article3project.org. Support him there. Give me 30 seconds, 45 seconds on the made-for-TV drama of Hunter Biden showing up in the House the other day. The The House of Representatives must hold him in contempt of Congress. He showed up. This is like the second time he's done this where he's not complying with a lawful subpoena. This is not about Joe. This is not about Hunter Biden's hookers and blow. This is about President Joe Biden, whether the sitting president of the United States is compromised by tens of millions of dollars in foreign bribes and other corruption to what seems like every Biden family member, except for the six-year-old granddaughter who they finally claimed under, under political pressure. Hunter Biden is the bag man for the Biden crime family. And that's why he must comply with this subpoena so the House can fulfill its uh, its most important constitutional duty to make sure the president is not compromised by foreign bribes and other corruption. Amazing information from Mike Davis. Go to article3project.org. Follow him, M-R-D-D-M-I-A, on social media. Mike, thanks a million for making time today. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, we're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. Thank you. I appreciate you. So I asked who the dumbest person in New York is, and this is why Jerry Nadler was on that list. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if, it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. This guy is really dumb. I mean, that's a really dumb guy. We don't need illegal immigrants to pick our our vegetables. Americans can do that. And our population keeps growing. This whole replacement theory I thought was a bad theory. You're not supposed to say that. There you go. Jerry Nadler, Eric Adams, or AOC, the dumbest person in New York. Those polls are up on uh, X. It's also up on Instagram. Another hour coming your way. Stay here. This is the Joe Pegg Show.